2: Okay, before I start this episode, I need to tell you about in the past couple episodes, I've talked about this Bark Box. I had to, I just got back into town, which I'm going to tell you the story in a minute. But my dog, RBG, AKA Ruthie, is the worst behaved animal I think that is in existence she eats chocolate i had to take i talked about this last week i had to take her to the emergency vet thought she was dying got into a bag of pistachios ate the whole thing on my bed plus the shells um we just were away and i was boarding her and when I got home, I had all my treats from my monthly shipment of Bark Box and the toys that she loves to chew on because her sister, Rosie, my black lab, is an angel, but Ruthie, not so much. So I feel like this Bark Box shipment every month kind of is a new thing for her. She loves to get toys, the treats are all natural, they're healthy for them. Um, if you go to BarkBox.com forward slash judging Megan, you use my code, you can get a month free after a subscription of either six months to a year and then you get a month free. I I myself am a subscriber. That's why they're, I'm, I'm using them as an advertiser on my podcast because I love BarkBox. I believe in it. I believe in the treats. I believe in the products. So go to BarkBox.com forward slash judging Megan and do your dog a favor and get them Bark box. Okay, everyone. I am back from my vacation. And I need to tell you, there it was so fun. I was so excited to see my aunts and uncles. Some of them I haven't seen for several years. I have a huge family. Um, my mom is one of six siblings. And, um, so all the aunts and uncles were there. We were there for my cousins, cousin, Rory's wedding. And then it was just such a fun time. I love Charleston, South Carolina. It's my favorite place on the planet. Uh, I lived there briefly in my, my life. My mom had a house on Kiowa Island, so I just, I adore it, but I will tell you this. And I've talked about my mom before. She cannot tell a short story. Like her stories are the most long winded stories I have ever heard in my entire life. And f- for some reason, she's obsessed with kind cereal. I find it so weird. So does my sister. She was carrying around a box of kind cereal basically the entire time we were there. And she, and I always, this my guest Judy who's gonna come on. I always tell that like use this voice when I'm talking like my mom. She doesn't really sound like this, but for some reason, this is how she sounds in my head. Uh, Mag, um, I need to tell you about my kind cereal. It is so good. It's all natural. Um, some of the ingredients are cocoa butter, and she like lists off the entire ingredients of the cereal. Um, my mom is really funny and just very long winded. Like if you ever need direction somewhere, she will take an hour and a half. I love you, mom. It's almost mother's day and special surprise. My mom will. I'm, I'm, I'm getting her to come on the podcast. You can hear what a nightmare I was as a child. Um, but I love you, mom. I love my family. I feel so fortunate that I got to see them Um, And you realize, I think, as you get older in life, like, and you see these, your aunts and uncles that you don't see all the time, how precious life is. And I couldn't help but feel a little bit sad when I left thinking when maybe this will be the last time I see them and how important it is to do more get togethers where we get together more than once every few years. So I am going to introduce my guest right now. Hello, Judy V. How are you?
3: I am awesome. How are you, Megan? I love the
2: story. <laughs> oh, thank you. i my mom's pretty funny. I really do love her. And also, Judy, just so you know, her like one of her best friend's name is Judy. So we make fun of my mom all the time because she's always talking. Everything has to do with Judy. So um, <laughs> it's pretty funny that you're coming on right after I was just making fun of my mom because everything involves her friend, Judy. Um so. Judy is an international best-selling author, she is an entrepreneur, she's a human behavioral specialist, and she is an iconic life mentor. So that was that's a big mouthful of things that are very impressive, Judy. Welcome to <laughs> Judging Megan. I'm excited to talk to you and I know your story is not an easy one to talk about. But what I always tell my listeners in the beginning of every episode is part of the reason I share the stories that I do is because I want people to understand that as rough and awful as life can be, there's always a way out. And Judy, I know your story will inspire my listeners. And I'm very grateful to have you on today.
3: Thank you so much. Um, Megan, as I uh, mentioned to you, when we first spoke a few weeks ago that I love your podcast. I love the work you are doing. Uh, It's awesome. And it is such an honor to be here with you today. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm about to cry. That is so nice. And and Judy, before we started recording, where are you located?
3: I am in Barbados. I, um, part of my iconic life is I get to live anywhere I wish. My, my philosophy is that the world is my home and every country is a room. So um, at the moment I've been 16 months in Barbados and in two weeks today actually we're moving to Mexico for the next chapter. Oh
2: my gosh, I am so jealous. What an an incredible thing to just like be able to up and move and explore the world. And maybe Mm -hmm. someday I'll do that. I'm just starting to be comfortable getting back on an airplane and flying. I always had this huge fear. And recently I realized that life is so short. And once I started Mm -hmm. to like talk to myself in a positive way about like living your life and not being afraid of an airplane and flying and just doing it, it makes me go, you know what? Life's short. I'm going to go fly all over the place. So maybe I'll be like you, Judy, and live all over the place. (laughs) Um, So let's start with where you're from originally.
3: Okay. So originally, um, I'm from Ireland. Originally, I I spent most of my adult life in South Africa, but um, originally from Ireland.
2: What part Um, of Ireland? You're one of my people because I'm ah, Irish. But Irish people hate when you say that. Because you're not really Irish unless like one of my best friends is Irish and her name's Sophie. I call her Irish Sophie because my daughter's American Sophie. She calls her American Sophie. (laughs) But I'm always like, Sophie, I'm Irish. She's like, Megan, you're not really Irish. You didn't live in Ireland. So Irish people are when American people say they're Irish. I think it's funny to Irish people, right?
3: Yeah, but I, I think that, you know, like, like anybody, when you talk about, when you talk nice things, say nice things about your country of origin, everyone likes it. Everyone likes it. But I, it took me a long time to like Ireland, I must tell you, too. As soon as I could, I left. So, and I, I had What, what I, part
2: were you originally from in Ireland?
3: Uh, mainly Dublin, mm. the capital,
2: yeah. Okay. So, and so um, you left Ireland when? As a kid?
3: I left Ireland in the early in the early nineties, okay, um, like okay. 1990, 91, something like that. Um, yeah, so I left when I escaped.
2: Okay, so, yeah. Let's let's get into that. So, and I understand now why you're not a fair, fan of Ireland. Um, let's talk about let's talk about your story. Let's just get into it and tell me about wh- what your obviously very hard story. How, what happened to you as a child?
3: There's an interesting thing. You know, some people say to me, like, what's your story and stuff like that. And I, I, I will share with you what happened to me, but I also want to predicate it by saying that that is not my story. Yeah. So um I always wanna make sure that this about this because my work as a human behavioral specialist, as you mentioned a few moments ago, is because of my experiences and a specific experience, but I'll talk about in a moment, I have had a hunger to understand human behavior, human potential, but more deeply than that consciousness and also our superconscious state and and, and how we can powerfully live an iconic life navigating between the human and the superconscious. So the conscious and the superconscious. And um, so that—that that is what, what, ha, what I have learned from that experience, from that research, from that study, from working with people for 25 years on this topic, is that I firmly believe that all challenges are there to serve us. And there's no challenge that we cannot thrive from, no challenge we are not greater than. And I'll even take it a step further, which some people might feel a little bit triggered for but I'm going to ask you just to bear with me as I share my why why I believe this. I believe that challenges are an act of love so with that I will go into my story and I'll share with you my journey and why I can confidently say that Um, and I understand that not everybody is there yet. It's a journey and for me it's been many years to get to this point so if, if, Let, it cha- me just, if it challenges-
2: Let me just interrupt you. I hate to talk over you, but I love what you said. I think that's so important. And just meeting you for the first time, I know we chatted over mess and, or however we met originally. Um, and I agree 100%. Your story of what you went through in your childhood, which I know was not easy, and I did not have an easy childhood either, does not define you. And it never will. And so I I love Mm -hmm. that you say that. And I say this a lot on the podcast that I believe that life is a series of lessons and some are really awful and some are great. And we have these moments in life, but they'll never define who we are. So I I really appreciate you starting your story saying that because I think it's important and I think people need to hear that.
3: Yes, and this is why your podcast is so important, is that pe- for people who are not there yet, that they know where they can expect to get to by just doing this, doing the work, you know, taking that transformational journey and and finding something deeper. So, from my perspective, is um, I was locked up from the age of about three, um, and uh, used tortured and used as a slave in all ways, in many different ways. Um, you know, I've been. I've been shot, um, I've been stabbed, I have had the most extra, ex, ex, like, excruciatingly awful um, things done, including brutal home abortions, without anesthetic and stuff like that. So really, really awful stuff, to the point where when I was and isolated from society, and to the point where like at about 15, I remember this one particular occasion, I, I had, it had been like, seven, uh, sorry, um, t- 12 or so hours um, of torture, nonstop. And it was about seven in the morning. And it was winter, cold, grey, yucky Dublin weather. <laughs> and um, I remember walking into the bathroom. And as I w- walked into the bathroom, I f- in that moment, in that phase of my life, I was Dead. Like I was nothing. I felt nothing. I was nothing. I meant nothing. Just, I lived only because my heart beat. I felt like a piece of meat, literally. Literally. I felt I had no purpose, no, no, no right. I breathed only because my heart kept beating. That is it. So I walked into the bathroom, and on this particular occasion, I walked up to the, to the, to the basin, hand basin, and looked in the mirror. And it was the first time I actually recall actually seeing myself. Obviously, I had many times over, but not noticed it. And I saw myself and I leaned in to the mirror. And I was looking at myself, looking at my eyes, almost like I was searching for something without being aware of it. And the next thing, it felt like I was reaching in beyond my eyes. And I was looking at something way more deeper than the skin and bone that was reflecting back at me. And I was reaching in, I grabbed my something in my solar plexus, locked it, solid. And from then on, for many, many, many years, I called it my something. It was my spirit, my soul, my higher self, my, my essence. And I held it. And as I did that, I was transcended out of my body and the next thing I was outside. And I was, the first thing I became aware of outside, although I was, you know, in a threadbare, torn, blue, pale blue nighty. I was bruised, my face was bruised, there was blood on my lips. Outside, I wasn't cold, it was a grey Dublin day, outside I wasn't cold, and I felt nothing... But oneness. All of a sudden I became aware that I was one with the trees, the, the leaves on the trees, the rain on the on the window, the grass. I could smell grass being cut in the distance, and I felt one with that. I felt one with the birds that were flying around. It was the most extraordinary feeling, expansive feeling. It was it was the weirdest thing. I, I, I didn't feel cold, I didn't feel threatened, I didn't feel unsafe, nothing. I felt just one with something extraordinary. Let let me, let me just go go
2: backwards a little bit. I'm, I, I don't even, I'm like, I don't know what to say about that. I'm already crying. I don't, I cry, which if you listen, you know, I cry all the time. Who, I hate to like make you go back there, but who was, who was locking you up? Was it your parents? Like, how did this happen to you?
3: Well it was my partly my father and partly um, other people as well so it was another it was
2: it was an, okay from the age of 3
3: Yeah
2: Judy, So am so sorry but what i want to say is were you when you looked in the mirror and you did that and you you escaped did you physically escape or was it in your mind
3: That was an out of body experience
2: it was an out-of-body experience. It
3: was a complete yeah. out-of-body experience. I was still yeah. in my body looking in the mirror, uh-huh. but there was, a, there was a part of me that left my body, and I was outside. And as I was experiencing this oneness with the universe, with everything around me, I turned around and I could see myself in this thin, threadbare, nighty looking at myself in the mirror. It was like I could see myself. And in that moment, I felt something so overwhelming, so like 100,000 blankets going around you. I felt something massive, all-consuming. And I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. It was just massive, warm, flooding. It was just incredible. And as I looked at myself in that moment... I, could, I, felt, I realized and I felt the most extraordinary, electric love, like, n- like nothing before, nothing I've ever, I had never experienced love before, but never I've ever experienced since. This is a transcendent love, a universal love that was exquisite. And that was you, this feeling. That was God. What was it? What was it's it: the It's the universe. you can call it God, the universe, Mother Nature, mm-hmm. the quantum. It's just our soul. Yeah. And it was and I, in that moment, I, I healed, because as I was looking at myself with this consumed by this most extraordinary love. I healed in that moment for everything I was going to there, everything I had been to, and everything I was yet to experience. And in that moment, I got, I got insight and understanding into the illusion we have in society around time. And I saw quantum timing in that moment. Because the next moment, I could see without a shadow of a doubt that I would escape, that I would live an extraordinary life. I would live a life of adventure, of prosperity, abundance, and an iconic life. I could see it.
0: I could, see it, and I could see
3: it in multiple different forms. Not just one thing where you're going to do this, you do this, you do it. It wasn't linear. It was an extraordinary web of infinite possibilities. Now, it felt like that experience was like hours, but I think it was just moments. Yeah. And I came back into my body. And as I came back into my body, I'm like looking at myself. I was a very different girl that had walked in to the bathroom and I was still holding my something in my solar plexus. And I knew in that moment that you could hurt my body, you could break my body, you could damage my body, you could do whatever you like to my body, but you will never, ever, ever and nothing can ever break my spirit, my soul, my essence. And in that moment, everything changed for me, everything. Now here's a bit that's that's really weird is am crying. I'm the time, like, it's the most I mean, it's the
2: most amazing the story. It, and it's so true that you that was, you were able to like do that. Yeah, yeah. It rem. it kind of reminds me of um I had J- the slain journalist um that was killed by ISIS, James Foley. His his he mm-hmm. was brutally he was beheaded by ISIS. And his mother came on the podcast, and sh- and I had also watched a documentary about him, and he and he was physically tortured, right? ISIS tra- and trapped him in the cage, and he was physically tortured, and he gave another prisoner a, a pair of pants, like his last pair of pants. And the stories about him were basically, he never would like, I mean he he lived his life like kind of as i watched the documentary and talked to his mom that there's something more powerful than taking your physical body and you can hurt you can torture somebody mm-hmm. physically but you can never ever take their soul away or their heart away and it really reminds me kind of of what and your story is Different, but just the physical part of it—that it's not going to define your physical body, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. That um, it's it's life changing when you experience that oneness with your soul, that oneness with the universe. When you understand that there's more to life, this two, this three dimensional life than we are aware of, um, with our ego and our human. So, my. Um, just go back to that bathroom by the time Mm -hmm. I walked out of the bathroom there was a I had realized something that because I got that vision of what my life would be and I knew I would escape and I knew I would get what I desired because I lived in poverty as well really extreme poverty Right, days without food. I had no clothes. The only clothes I would had to wear were really old clothes of my father. So as a teenager, I'm wearing old, old clothes belonging to a dude. You know, so yeah. um, so poverty w- w- was something. So as I walked out, I realized that I'm going to get, I'm going to escape, and I'm going to get work in a merchant bank, a stockbroking firm, firm um, in oil and gas or um, shipping. Where that came from, Megan, I've got no idea. It's like, when you think about it, how does that marry up with the deeply spiritual experience i just had? It was just the most extraordinary thing. And on top of that, I had no idea what even merchant banking was. I had no idea what stockbroking. I was uneducated. I had no you idea. Had
2: never, you had never gone to school.
3: So I had no idea what yeah. it was. So it, it, So I then... Determined, I'm going to find out everything I can about economics, about money, about finance, about business, and what makes the world go round. That's what I'm committing to. And I trusted. I trusted that I would escape. I trusted that I will live an iconic life. I knew it, and I trusted it. So... As it turned out, my father was open to getting me the books that I desired, so I taught myself everything that I could. Remember, these were the days before internet, okay? Um, In Ireland, in those days, you had two TV channels. It's not like you had all the documentaries that we have now. Uh, It's a very different way of life, very different. So I taught myself everything about money, economics, finance, and eventually I did escape. It took six years, another six years, but I escaped, now when when interesting things about th-
2: it after after sorry to talk over after the six years when you had that moment, I'm assuming you still were being like beaten and tortured and all the things. Was your mindset mm-hmm. completely different at that point? Like you knew. Tell me about that.
3: It yeah, no, it was it was different. Um, okay. there were times when I we felt the same, okay, but there were times yeah. when I was I was able to fight back. I was harder to be beaten, um, and I, but it was awful, right? There's no two ways about it. It was awful, but I knew that I was worth more. I knew I deserved a life. I knew that I would create a life. There was a different undercurrent about it. It didn't break me that I just was, felt like a piece of meat. That was gone, I didn't have that anymore. I had purpose, I had vision, I had dreams. I, I, I was planning and scheming and learning and expanding all of the time. And this was something I trusted and knew. And now looking back, back on it with the language I have now, I, I was trusting in the perfection of the universe and the line timing. I didn't have that language, I just it was just a sense of knowing. And I did eventually escape, but I had to leave the country. So I escaped in November. It was and in the middle of the night, and I eventually I ended up in London, alone with no one, with nothing, knowing no one, and knowing very little about society. Within one week, I had. Um, within one week, I'd had. Two job offers, one was with a shipping company, and the other was as the trading accountant for an oil and gas trading floor. And I took the job as the trading accountant on an oil and gas trading floor with six-figure salary within one week. No education.
2: How? But how did you get out? How did you escape? And then, when you were there, when you got to London, did how did you have money to get out? Like, how did you do that? (laughs)
3: this that is like it's just cr- the cr- creative stuff i got yeah. the money i went into a bank i said i need money i got the money when you step out of the human and you step into potentiality you step into the superconscious plane there is nothing you cannot create nothing there is nothing you cannot do nothing you cannot be and create and materialize nothing Nothing. The more you step out of the human and the ego part of the human and the more you're, al- you're aligned and connected with the soul, the source, one with the universe, more you think with the, like, the God mind, the universal mind, the mother nature mind, the more potentiality that exists and the more that you experience the most extraordinary magic and synchronicities. So that when I escaped, I literally went into a bank and I said, I need money. And I got money that day. How did,
2: but why would they give you money if they like, how did that even happen?
3: I opened a bank account. I need a bank loan. I'm going to get a job. It was, remember, oh. it was a very different time than it was. It was the a different time. Yeah. And checks and, and credit yeah. checks and all that. It was a very different time. Okay, now, that's not to say that anybody who's in my scenario, who, who was who's in the scenario that I was now, that couldn't couldn't get those same opportunities because you can. It'll just be in a different form. Right now. Does that make sense? So if anyone's in a situation where they feel like they've got no way out, they're completely back against the wall, nothing they can do. I promise you there are ways in which you can manifest, materialize the most extraordinary things to allow you to do the next thing. All right. It's
2: just similar to like, it's similar to the secret, like putting, am I wrong on what I'm talking about? Like if you're, if you're familiar with that doing the secret.
3: yeah I, I think the the secret has has was fantastic and wonderful and it's mm-hmm. done a lot for awakening people up to it to the 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 the, the open the door of conscious conscious awareness mm-hmm. but I think as well it's done a lot of harm because I think a lot of people feel that when well, you think it's just going to create it there's more there's more in it it's it's like I lead the universe follows that's how you materialize and and manifest and co-create with the universe. It's not about being a pacifist in the universal sense. It's about being a co-creator. So when it's, and it's about stepping out of the ego. The secret doesn't talk about that. It's about stepping out of the human and aligning yourself and being one with your soul, your spirit, and the universe. And in that place where you are open to magic without evidence, open and come and focused on that which you desire without evidence. Because in the human, you've got the human mind saying, Yeah, but that won't work. You're yeah. thinking logic, 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 linear, linear, linear. You've got to leave all that behind. In this sense, to co-create this magically with the universe, you There's no. They they don't marry. It's what I call this: the masculine energy of the of the doing, and the feminine energy of the being. So when you step out of the masculine energy of the doing, which is the ego, which is which is um, polarized by nature, because it's based on survival, and into the infinite uh, wisdom, intelligence. Um, of the universal space. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So you without, get, you get this job. Without understanding but, it, I was able to do that. Does yeah. that make sense? So without yeah, yeah, yeah. necessarily having learnings, because of that out-of-body experience I had, I understood that this is, this is how to be. So it wasn't through a training or education or reading or anything like that. It was just a knowing. It's incredible.
2: Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin-D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount. So So you can live Claritin clear use as directed. So once you st- you got you got the money you got the job. Tell me about what happens next. What happened to you next?
3: So it was the most extraordinary few years, um, because with that experience, like predictably, you'd say, "Well, how would you know what to do?" Predictably, you'd say, "Well, how would you know how to turn on the computer?" How, predictably, you say, well, "How did you know what to put on a CV?" I didn't even know what a CV was, right? it's because none of what i did came from the predictable it came from potentiality it became from the infinite infinite wisdom of the universe and we this has been proven over and over and over again that we can create through that connection with our soul with source and that is the that is where i was working from living from for many years to the point where like after about 10 months i actually got fired from that job not because I wasn't competent, I, I pretty was a, a, was competent, but it was because I wasn't a conformist. I hadn't learned and hadn't mastered and had no desire to master the 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 bits and pieces that go with live, working in a corporate environment. Yeah, the intricacies of being in a corporate environment. So I was never uh, a, a conformist. I was always upsetting the apple tart. So. Um, they asked me to leave and they paid me to leave quietly after 10 months, which I did. Now, mm-hmm. here's the interesting thing I didn't apply a meaning to that. You know, that was, oh, that's interesting. Okay, on to the next thing. so look look for another job. Whereas in the human, for most people, because we are so sort of almost trapped, as Einstein said, this the tragedy of life at the moment, the tragedy in society as we live in at the moment, is that we have promoted the ego or as master and forgotten the sacred gift of our intuition. and and, and so as a result, we live in the ego, we live with our judgments, our coding, our conditioning, our perceptions all based on the past, which bring into the current, which creates a predictable future. When you're living in the place of the potentiality, though, every moment is an innocent moment in time, and therefore the next moment has got infinite possibility. But because we're always in the human, we don't create that. So most people who get fired, they will feel the human emotions of judgment, judging themselves. Oh, why? Why am I not good enough? How come I'm not when am I gonna get this right? Why do I not get this right? Why does nobody love me? Why am I not good enough? Over and you go into a spiral of this. For me, I observed it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, fine. And I moved on. And then you moved on. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm
2: like that person that I have been fired. Judy, I know that's shocking. Um, (laughs) um, and I am that person, like if something, and it takes like me, even to this day, like if I've been fired from a job, like years ago, I'll be like, oh my, I'm so, I'm still angry about it and still caught up in it. So I find that fascinating and so true that you're like, okay, this happened. Let's move on. Whereas I don't know anybody that's able to do that.
3: Not in, and it'd be very challenging to do in the ego, in yeah. the human, very difficult. And again, it's one of those things that I know that there is no thing, we, nothing we will ever experience that does not serve. Every single thing we ever experience in life has a purpose, otherwise it wouldn't exist. And it serves, but it will serve more powerfully the more we lean into it and look at it from a balanced perspective and say, okay, we, I can feel and see the challenge, where's the love? Where's the perfection? And the moment we see that, bang, we turn matter, treacle, into light, and we connect in with a higher source. And you co-create powerfully from there. Whereas if you're stuck in the treacle, in the drama, in the, in the polarized perception of it all being bad, that, cr- that creates an energy which you dwell in and attract more in. That what then creates a downward spiral. So, and that's the human stain, that's what we do, and this is my work through, as a human behavioral specialist, is I take people out of that, take people out of that spiral, out of that drama, le- look at how they, what they've experienced and how they've experienced, and how this has actually been on the way to serving their greater purpose in life, because we've got two purposes, we've got the hu- human purpose and the soul purpose, and the the. the The ingredients for creating an iconic life is marrying those together because we are here to serve our soul so that our soul gets to experience the human expression and to live to the fullest extent of our potential. We are wise to live in complete alignment with those. So what you're saying is you don't
2: live in the past whatsoever. Like you don't live in the torture and the experiences that you had As a child, you got out. You learn lessons from everything, including like you know, just getting fired. Most people, I don't know anybody that would be like, "Oh, okay, no big deal. Bye, let's move on." Um, I have a big issue with my big giant ego that (laughs) I probably need your help with because I, I, I can't do what you're doing. I know I can. I know I'm trying to get there but I, but I need some help, Judy. You're, you have a new client. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I promise you, you can get yeah. there. I promise. you. I'm trying. So, so, yeah, I
2: got- like, I, I honestly think that part of the reason, you know, that I do this every week, it's not easy to, you know, today I was jet lagged. Um, t- I was like kind of dragging, but I tell, I meet people like you or, you know, like, the uh, people that are just warriors. I would say I'm almost on my 70th episode of doing this. And to me be fortunate enough to have people come into my life, I really believe that that it has to do with with um God and spirituality. I believe in God, I'm very spiritual. Um, and, and like that, I was supposed to go through this stuff mm-hmm. that I did, like you did to get to a point, but my ego needs real help. It really needs to get put in check. So tell me, tell me like, once you, once you lost that job, then what happened moving forward after that?
3: Um, I got another one similar okay. oil and gas 10 months after that got fired again. And same thing happened again, got paid to go. So it happened again and again. It happened about four times. And by the last time it happened, I was now living in South Africa. And um, I remember the last time, uh, four or five times it happened, and each time I was paid to go quietly. And I remember the last time it happened, and um, it was summer, and I was walking out of the office with my envelope with the with the final offer for me to go quietly in my grubby little mitts and I'm walking it, and I'm like thinking like this could be a career in itself but anyway <laughs> um, and I'm looking up at Table Mountain and I could feel the sun on my face really warm, really beautiful and just so comforting and awesome. just the looking at the majestic Table Mountain in Cape Town and I like looked up and I said, I don't remember this being on the plan. I don't remember this. (laughs) And in that moment, I just got a a sense, a voice, just said, do your own thing. Uh, What what does even that mean? And um, got into the car, drove home, and by the time I got home, I had an idea for a business. Now in the words, in in that time, people didn't use the word entrepreneur as they do now. if anyone asked me, what do I do? I was like, I do my thing. I do my own thing. So I would—I started my first business, which was called Dial a Teddy, um, and it was born from the fact that I hadn't got toys and teddies when I grew up. And I thought, well, everyone would love a teddy because I love teddies. I had twenty of them by now, and uh, so I started this business. And it was an extraordinary success. It was amazing. And from there, I created so many different businesses. you know, all of them pioneering, all of them um, breaking, making history, uh, breaking boundaries. Um, Extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary businesses. And I realized after a while that they all had a common thread. They all have a golden thread running through them. And it's all about empowering. And that's when I started to understand the concept of values and, and purpose in life. And I realized that my purpose in life, stemming from my experiences, is to be empowered and empower others, and, and that is my top value: is being empowered and empowering others. Um, so, but it wasn't all roses. Yeah, because there inevitably came a time, and it did. Um, I think i'd started my second business by then or third business. I was wealthy i had the i was i was competing at world championships swimming for uh, scuba diving for South Africa. I was a champion swimmer I was a champion pilot I was competing in water skiing I was running ultra marathons I was like super i was making the most I was getting the last drop I could out of the world, out of life, out of society, I had a life to do. That my then one of my one of my best friends then, who is now my husband of twenty two years, um, said to me that people would give their right arm for the life that you've got. I, it was iconic. Yeah. But inside, I was in hell. Because you, I was in that, hell. All that... of a sudden, something happened. Yeah. All of a sudden,
2: something happened. You, your history, your past, caught up with you.
3: Yeah. Well. No. It appeared that way, but it wasn't. Okay. Let me explain. Yeah. It please. appeared that way, but it wasn't. So, it appeared that way that my past had caught up with me, and 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 so I, all of a sudden I was in pain. I was in agony, and and I it was just I was in mental torture. And I'm, I don't really know at what point that happened, but I think it was a gradual thing. And what happened was that I had stopped living in the, in the oneness with the universe in, in, in complete guided by my soul. Because when you're living aligned with your soul, you are magnetically drawn to things, to what next, the next thing, the next step. There's no decision required, no deliberating because you are magnetically drawn, magnetically pulled in the direction when it comes from the soul place. The ego is where there's polarity, where there's this or that, this or that, this or that. So at one point, at some point, I dissociated from my soul and I got back into, I went into the ego. And that's when life became hell. Despite the fact that I had everything iconic in my life, inside I was in hell. And nothing would fill it. It was, like, it was like a bucket with a hole in it. No matter how much I did, no matter how much I sought, no matter how much I was seeking worth, value, importance, deserving, you name it, it was just like an empty bucket, it was a hole in the bucket. It just would just not fill. I was going crazy. I was going crazy. And my sports got more extreme. My living got more extreme. And that, that didn't help. That didn't fill me. So I started taking overdoses. Not to die, but just like, please, just stop for a moment. Just stop. Everything. It's like freeze frame for a minute, let me think. So I'd go into a coma and I would end up in hospital, stomach pump sometimes if I was found in time. If not, I just had to, you know, I was in a coma until I wasn't. And this, I took about eight or nine overdoses in a period of about 18 months. This crazy time lasted about 18 months. And over that time, people involved in my life would say, no, you need to go to a therapist, you need to go to a therapist. And I went to therapist after bloody therapist. And all they wanted me to do was rerun my story, rerun my story, rerun my story. And I'm saying, that's not my problem. I'm okay. I healed. It's okay. I'm at peace with all of that. I have no issue with that. But they were saying, no, you've got Stockholm syndrome or this or that. I'm yeah. saying, no, I'm at peace. No one got it until I woke up from the last overdose and I had the epiphany. I understood in that moment, and that is what sent me on a course for 25 years now of my research and studying, which is culminating now in my submitting my my dissertation for my PhD. What I understood in that moment made complete sense. It had nothing to do with my past. It had nothing to do with my experience, because I had healed from that. But what I had was that I had stopped that connection with my soul. So in the years since that out-of-body experience of the time I escaped, while my life on the outside was sheer hell, on the inside, I was in heaven. I was in bliss. I had joy. I had happiness. I had gratitude, appreciation. I had my heart-brain coherence, and I had love, compassion, empathy. It was beautiful inside me. Outside was all hell and chaos. Years later... What I had created around me was a a heaven. I had all the things. I was doing all the things. Everything was great. I had so many friends, parties, boyfriends, you name it. But inside I was in hell. And that is when I realized I'd rather have the whole world against me than my own soul. And that's when I started to reconnect to my soul and my heart, my, my spirit, my core. And that is the source of human suffering is our separateness to who we are, to the so- core of who we are, our, our, our soul, our spirit, our essence, our oneness with the universe. Because when we're one with the universe, we're one with everything. There is no separation. <laughs> human crying. suffering is the sorry. <laughs> of separation.
2: Yeah, your story is amazing. I think that I can relate to some of it with the hiding behind things and you know like running marathons and having to do this and having that and doing this and to be at a place as a human being where you don't want to go on like it's taken over maybe you call it ego or you call it like the human condition or whatever it is and you disconnect from the spirit which I'm Mm -hmm. guilty of I can understand that I i I love what you're saying. I think it's, it's, a, it's unbelievable actually. Um, but it's, how did you do it? <laughs> is my question. Like, I, I guess like going through all the things that you have gone through, there's a reason why you have the, the ability to do it and why you're, you were brought onto this planet to be a teacher, right? Do you believe that?
3: I believe I was brought onto this planet to be the, um, to exemplify what is possible when it comes to living through challenge and thriving through challenge. Because when I said earlier that that's not what I experienced and what I've shared with you so far is not my story. None of what I've just said to you is my story. My story is what's, I would love to share with you now. For some reason, and I have again, remember I spoke about the magnetic pull. When when you are aligned with your soul, you're living from that soul place. What I call the soul set. When you're living from that place, you you live in alignment, and therefore you're drawn. You're magnetically drawn to do things, and sometimes you do it. And you do it sometimes there's no logic. And it's about trusting that, having faith in that without the evidence. And as I was going through my experience, the hell, over that time, and around about the time towards the end, I had this magnetic draw to go back to Ireland. I couldn't understand it, but I did. I went back to Ireland. And when I got there, I had this feeling to go and walk into Harcourt Street, which is like the Scotland Yard of um, Dublin, of, of London. It is the headquarters of the police force in, in Ireland. And I walked into the to the headquarters of the police force in in Dublin, and on Harcourt Street. And I said, I want to speak to a detective. So I got to speak to a detective, and I shared the story. And they said they would look into it. And then they told me they told me. Sorry, too much time has passed, there's nothing we can do about it. I was, okay, that's fine, because I, I, I didn't understand why I just felt this draw to do it, and I trusted, okay, that's fine. And about two, three days later, I got a phone call from the detective, and she said, no, she's taken it to um, an advisor, and we actually can proceed. Great. Right? So she wanted me to come in and give my statement. My statement took seven days to give. And they investigated it. They investigated it for about um, three or four years and eventually charged my father with 47 charges, I think it was. And eventually it ended up in the High Court of Ireland. So I got an opportunity to come from South Africa to be in the court for the final hearing. And my boyfriend, who, who is now my husband, he came with me And um, I went again, when I got there, to the High Court of Ireland. um, His hearing was being heard. I asked the judge, again, I did not know why I was doing this. I just felt this a draw to do it. And I asked the judge, could the case be held out of camera, meaning it's public? It has never been done before anywhere in the world, a case like this. And to quote the judge, he said he's never experienced such a horrendous uh, proceedings in his life, and he was an elderly man. Yeah. So as you can imagine, it got massive media attention. <coughs> Excuse me, not just in Ireland, in the UK, in, 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 in South Africa where I was living, in India, in Belgium, it was all over the place. It got massive, massive media attention. He was sentenced to 54 years based on... Two of the forty-nine charges against him. So he went to prison again. I was like, as odd. But the other people involved, there was, they weren't able to um, pre- proceed with charges on those levels. It was just with yeah. my father. Again, I was like. This was something that was uncomfortable. Why 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 was I doing that? What why where why was my soul asking me to do that? Because like he said like go to prison. It's not gonna give my childhood back. But what happened with that process? It changed the it changed the law in Ireland with the protection of women and children. It allowed me to do things in South Africa change, that was catalyst to change in the law in South Africa around the protection of women and children. But also, the cases of reporting incest and, and rape and sexual abuse went up something like 85% in Ireland. That's massive. So he went to prison. I went back to South Africa. I got married and continued on my life. And a few years later, about four years later, after he was in prison... I got a phone call from the detective saying, your father's been transferred from prison to hospice because he's dying. He's dying of cancer. So before I hung up, I turned to Tiny, my husband, and I said, I've got to go to Ireland to see him. Again, my soul calling me because my human is saying, why? <laughs> why? <Yes. laughs> but my yeah. soul was saying, go. Yeah. And Tiny, like trust me, and and, and and although couldn't understand it, stands by me like a rock, and we went over to Ireland, and we got to the hospice, and I have to tell you, it was like, I'm asking myself, why am I doing this, why am I doing this, my human, my little girl, the little girl inside me is saying, why am I doing this, and got to the hospice, and um, it turned out that he wouldn't my father wouldn't see me with tiny with my husband with me because that was like he was going to be my my rock as i walked in and he wouldn't he would only see me alone so i had to make a really challenging a really difficult decision and i went in to see him alone as i walked in the room i had no idea as to what to expect No idea whatsoever. But as I walked in the room, the first words out of my mouth were, thank you, Dad, I love you. That is my story. The capacity that we have to love, when we understand how the challenges we experience serve us, how powerful when we are able to learn the depths of our power the depth of the capacity that we have to live an extraordinary life on our terms, empowered in all areas of life. And when you understand that, you have nothing in your heart but love, compassion, empathy, gratitude for everything that you ever experience. They but were the, the first abil- but thought. the ability to forgive, like how how did you do that? Because I understood on a soul level, that everything I experienced served me. It has served me. I have a powerful purpose in life. My purpose in life and my sole purpose are 100% aligned. I live an extraordinary life of adventure, love, abundance, prosperity. I understand so much about life. I am limitless, I am unstoppable, I create what I desire. because of the experiences that I've had, what I've learned, what I've gained, what I, have, what I have been given. And this is why I say that there's no challenge that's not an act of love. Not to be confused with, that's on a soul level, on, in, on the ego and the human. When you are experiencing something that society says is not acceptable, that doesn't mean you condone it. And this is an important part of that process. And that is why it was appropriate for me to report him and for him to go to prison, because in this, you can't have that. There is not acceptable in the human form. But it doesn't mean that I have to carry that into my soul and be burdened by it. I can choose to see the perfection and be love, be compassion, be empathy, so I can raise the bar when it comes to conscious awareness and take this world to a better place and be one of the millions and billions of people that are adding to this world, adding to society, growing the capacity of love in society on a soul level. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I mean, I could talk
2: to you for three hours right now. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like your story is just unreal. I, I, i I'm like I I've said this a couple times in the past couple episodes that I'm speechless. I have been speechless uh, about certain stories and how the resilience of human beings and how they're able to pick themselves up and go on. I, but to to so this is the first time in all of my episodes that I've ever done when I asked somebody how they did it, what did you do? just to know that like the soul and the spirit and the connection is, is real and that it can happen and that the anger, like in the, the peace I'm talking about myself, but where I can't forgive. I'm so angry about some things that have happened to me in my life. Um, that it is possible that I need to learn to do it. And that the connection with the soul I believe in that stuff. I'll tell you a quick story. When, when I was in my lowest time, like a few years ago, I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. I cry all the time. That's
3: okay. Sometimes
2: it's happy crying, but I'm just an emotional person. Mm-hmm. I remember looking in the mirror, a kind of talking to God, like saying, what do I do? You know? And then to hear your story of like overdosing and like snapping, like getting to the point where you can forgive and all the things that you've talked about in this episode. But I, I can recall this one moment in my life where I stared in the mirror, kind of like what, how you described. And I said, like I made the decision that I have to go on. Like I have to go on. There's a reason, there's a purpose. And hearing somebody like you, that's still in the human form, but has connected so deeply into your soul, and then gone on to teach people like me that need it, or my listeners that need to hear this stuff. I'm so grateful. It's a it, your your gift on this planet is to continue doing exactly what you're doing, and we need more people like you, Judy. <laughs> I mean, I know there's really good people like you on this planet, but it it it's a reminder that there are people like you on this planet, and I think this exact moment that I'm meeting you and we're having this conversation, I needed this at this exact moment, and I know that that's why we're connecting today um for sure, is there anything else you wanted to say? <laughs> Oh. You don't have the things that I I'm just
3: asking because because
2: I love I love everything you're saying. Go ahead.
3: One of the things that I often say to people is they when when they struggle to dip their toe into the possibility that there's something bigger behind what they've experienced, that could lead to something extraordinary. And as you can imagine, it's just like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is that people are called to adventure and they get so far. And before they cross over, what he calls into the abyss, I call into the universal world. Um, Before they cross over, it's too scary and they, they run back. But so at the point of crossing over, I say to people, we have a choice. We know that we have this one life. We know that. We're sure of that. Now, whilst I know that... There's more, right? I've experienced it, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've studied it, I've researched it. I've sort of like read so much research out there that also suggests that. Um, but we, ha- we know that we have this life. We can either choose to be victim to our history or master of our destiny. It is 100% our choice. And I would prefer to be able to know that I can wake up tomorrow knowing that I am master of my destiny, that the tomorrow gets to be better than today, and the tomorrow after that gets to be better still, and better still, and better still. And what happens, it's not not philosophy, it's physics, as Einstein says. You create momentum and you are in a completely different state and you create a different outcome in your life, you're dwelling in a different level of energy, you will become a master of your destiny rather than the victim of your history. It's a choice that we make. So what is the worst that can happen if you just trust what I am saying or what other people who say similar things to what I'm saying, trust what we say, that on the other side of it, there is bliss There is exquisiteness. There is the most extraordinary, iconic life on the other side. Gosh. Holy cow. What's the worst that can happen?
2: (laughs) Sorry. Holy cow. That's all I have to say about this episode. If you're listening to this episode, um, I hope you, I mean, I know I learned so much today. I needed to, I am now the master of my destiny, Judy. I I am now changing, like today is my first day um, of being the master of my destiny. I loved every second of this episode. I am proud to know you um, and you're an incredible, remarkable human being. Um, And to my listeners, I hope that you learned something today, especially if you're somebody that's struggling with, you know, things that happen in in life and you might be in a low point of your life and you're struggling with grief or illness or, you know, all the things that we, we go through as human beings. Um, Judy, Judy V you're incredible. So thank you so much. Where can find people you, find friend. you? Where can people find you? And by the way, PS, like, I can't believe you listen to my podcast. I'm like, Judy, you should have your own podcast. I'll listen to it. I feel like I went to (laughs) church today. Like I literally feel like I was struggling this morning so much. Like I, I, I can't, I won't go into it, but like, there's things that, you know, like things that you go through and the human Mm -hmm. side of me was like in a bad mood and angry and all the things. And then Mm -hmm. to like be given the gift of an hour conversation with you, Judy, is such a gift. It's such an incredible gift. Where can people find you?
3: Um, okay. I mainly hang out on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram. You can come and join my group, Attuned to Wealth. Um, so a lot of people who hang out with me get to make a lot of money as well. So, um, because that's I'm the... hanging out with you because I would like to... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the things that I say is that the journey of transformation is a, a journey of wealth building because, um that's again another side effect of taking this journey is that you make a lot of money because you're 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 guided by your soul you're one with the universe you're one with abundance you're surrounded by abundance it cannot but you cannot but be abundant in all areas of life so So yeah, we're,
2: we're staying in touch. I definitely like to make money, but more importantly, uh, you're just the example of resilience and all the things that you've taught me in this hour long conversation. Um, in closing everybody, I would like to shift a little bit and just say, thank you to my listeners. Thank you to Judy, who I am honored listens to my podcast um, but just thank you for your reviews. Thank you for that the time that you take out of your day, if you are so inclined, to leave me a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, I actually was honored this week. Um, I did an episode with um Victoria, who um her episode's called her her handle her Instagram handle is called a contagious smile, and her story. Is one of resilience of <clears throat> escaping a, an abusive marriage and getting out and saving her daughter, and that um, I got uh, featured on Amazon as um, podcast of the week for that episode. And honestly, to be able to to, to do something like this every week. Is a dream for me to talk to people like Judy or Victoria or all of the many, many guests, almost 70 guests that I've had over this two year period, almost two year period, is just a special gift that I've been given. So thank you. And thank you most of all to you that listen. In closing, be happy by making other people happy. And Judy, guess what? You do that.
0: This is the story of the one.